Why We Shouldn't Destigmatize Sex Work by a Former Escort The Dystopia of Influencer Meets Whore This is dedicated to my past self, the woman who refused to acknowledge these things because she was too busy brainwashing herself into believing she had to escort and got lost justifying her actions. There is a disclaimer. This article was written to address the issues with glamorizing sex work. It wasn't written to further condemn people who feel stuck in sex work. The black and white about morality and habits of justifying apply to all sex workers, but the tone of this piece is addressing glamorization, the emergence of the influencer meets whore. This article speaks on prostitution, though many statements can apply to all sex work. I put a screenshot of the numbers from the Escort Deconstructed podcast, and it says uh, 169,800. It says 170,000 downloads since published. 170,000. I worked hard on the Escort Deconstructed podcast, advocating for escort rights for over a year. Spent all my free time working on it and didn't monetize it. That's a lot of time and money, a lot of energy. For what? Why did I do it? Do I disagree with what I said then versus what I'm saying now? I know you have some questions, listener. Perhaps some assumptions made about the timing of my decision. The obvious straw man argument would be that I retired because I got what I needed out of the industry and now it's easy for me to change my tune. Well, it's not because I saved up enough money to retire or because I'm in a committed relationship or because I've lined up a new career. None of those things happened. It's because I don't know what my future looks like, but I know it doesn't exist if I stay in this industry. I won't get into the details of it here. I've spent a lot of time pouring my heart, insights, and experiences into a fictionalized memoir. In short, I waited for death, waited for each day to end for years. Prostitution made me an empty shell of a person with no soul. I stopped planning for the future a long time ago. I didn't think I had one. Forever dreading the next bout of unwanted sex I'd force myself to have, it didn't seem like there was much time for anything else or like anything mattered. All my time was spent trying to cope with reality, which involved endlessly dissociating because I was consenting to things I wasn't okay with on my own behalf with no end or meaning in sight. I tried to make the best of it, told myself everything was fine, and I was just doing what I had to to survive. I was self-destructing rather quickly, and the utter meaninglessness of prostitution played a central role. Misrepresenting my own desires and wants on my own behalf broke my brain and destroyed any pride I once had in who I was. Justifying my poor choices instead of fixing them is what led to a colossal mindfuck that lasted many years and resulted in a deep pool of nihilism. My theory is sex work is bearable and something to be shrugged off if a worker feels what she gave in the transaction is commensurate with what she received. I think for most, it's also tolerable with a goal, like a purpose for the money, and a retirement date in mind. Then there's meaning and an end date, and it's easier to see it as a positive activity if you're, quote, happy with the trade-off. I think that's literally what a happy hooker is. As I mentioned in past articles, I regularly... (laughs) As I mentioned in past articles, I regularly gave away a large sum of earnings to random people trying to make myself feel better about how horrible escorting made me feel. I didn't want to keep the money because it meant nothing. I earned it through self-betrayal. It felt dirty. 
Subconsciously, I wanted nothing to do with it, didn't see anything positive coming out of it, didn't respect it or myself, thought giving it away would make me feel better. And it did, temporarily, but also ensured I had to keep doing the soul-destroying work because I perpetually had nothing to show for it. So in this weird way, I experienced high-class escorting, but never experienced feeling it was a worthwhile trade-off. This could be because I didn't keep a lot of the earnings, or because I'm not polyamorous enough, or because I'm too much of a principled person, or because it's never a worthwhile trade-off. I'm not convinced my podcast would have been popular if I hadn't claimed to love being a prostitute and feel empowered by it. Wouldn't have been fun to listen to a podcast by a woman that gave up on her real life in favor of trying to make the best of her situation. I believed I had no options other than paid intimacy as time went on. That may be hard for some to believe or understand, but I had to do a little brainwashing on myself to be okay with selling intimacy and access to my body. A podcast about how I was constantly in survival mode wouldn't have set a great tone for entertainment. However, the empowered escort talking about how she loves it and loves her life, now that's digestible. We can get on board with the happy hooker. Not only is it more entertaining, it's attractive to hire. What client doesn't want the woman who says she loves being hired to make fantasies come true? Escorts must claim to love the work on some level or clients would rightfully feel weird about paying them for sex they don't want to have. Any way you slice it, the sex is always wanted by the client and unwanted by the worker. The worker wants the money, not the sex. The only way to prove she wants the sex is if she's okay not being paid for it, then it wouldn't be sex work anymore. I grew sick of being dehumanized and having to explain I wasn't some degenerate, STI-ridden, bad person with no agency in life just because I was an escort. So, I created a podcast so information about who an escort was could be shared, hopefully resulting in the destigmatization and decriminalization of prostitution. I thought I'd make a useful resource with first-hand accounts free from outside editorial bias or agenda. I conveniently omitted my bias and agenda and that of my guests. None of us is bias and agenda free in this life. I barely had a personality on that podcast. I drank wine during almost every episode wanting to ensure I performed properly. Same as with clients, same fake persona was needed. I mostly agreed with whatever each guest said so they felt comfortable. I wasn't trying to argue with anyone or influence what they wanted to say, just be a supportive host. The ethos of the podcast was flawed, something I discovered over time, which ultimately made me lose interest in continuing it. It's important to say I think each guest's story is still valid, and I commend them for sharing so publicly. I recorded almost every episode in person, often meeting them for the first time that same day, and found them all to be really kind-hearted people. I got hundreds of fan mail emails from listeners, other sex workers, clients, and more, saying how it made them feel less alone among other things. I believe it's a net positive resource, which is why I'm leaving the episodes up even though my tune has changed. It's good to leave up what I consider to be my evolution of being a prostitute. I feel listeners liked my podcast because it made prostitution seem like something that didn't guarantee negative consequences. I presented it as an activity that could have positive outcomes, something a worker could genuinely love and a client could indulge in guilt-free. The podcast made every woman who's accepted money for sex feel less alone and more empowered because I said I was. 
It made every client seeking to justify paying a woman for consent to sex and access to her body feel he was doing a positive thing because he funded her life and I confirmed I loved my agency-filled choice to consent. Must have been a big relief for clients and a comfort for sex workers. Only it wasn't real. I was lying to myself, trying not to break my brain and by extension lying to listeners. Sometimes I wonder if Pretty Woman, the movie I saw immediately before considering prostitution as an option, was the OG glamorization of prostitution that led to the emergence of many others wanting to make it seem like paid intimacy was something that could have positive outcomes and genuine connections. The director said originally Julia Roberts was supposed to die from a drug overdose, but that wasn't a happy enough ending for Hollywood, so they made it a princess ending. Hollywood has unrealistically sold many fairy tale endings where they don't belong. I'm unsure if Pretty Woman has had this influence, I just wonder. I put in a photo here and there is a blue pill and there is a red pill. And the blue pill says, I like my reality the way it is. And the red pill says, I can take the truth, I think. Perhaps you liked the old Sienna that did that podcast better than the current version writing this article. You're free to prefer the old version of me. Know that I see old me as blue-pilled and current me as red-pilled. My red-pill take means no more twisting reality just because it's harsh. Life was easier when I justified my immoral, self-destructive actions because my reality felt like punishment enough. I had more bad feelings to face. It didn't seem like something I could handle. But no matter how much I tried to pretend I was fine with it, I wasn't. I didn't need to look further than all the self-destructive coping mechanisms and endless brain fog that came from misrepresenting my own desires. I've heard a variation of this sentiment many times. Well, what'd you expect when you made the decision in the first place? You knew what you were getting into. Ha. <laughs> Sir, I didn't sit down at a table and carefully consider each pro and con before coming to a well-thought-out decision on the best plan for my future. Are you serious? It was a choice made out of desperation, alone, young, when I couldn't come up with another way to solve my pressing problems. I didn't want to be there. Why look at it like I made some thought-out life choice about my future? It's just not what happened. It doesn't excuse it, but I think the why matters nonetheless. <clears throat> the only shot I had at getting respect from anyone, including myself, was by claiming that I chose it intentionally and loved my choices. Otherwise, it'd be clear I was selling my soul for money. Not so sexy. My true subconscious goal was to justify my actions and redeem my self-image by trying to create a positive resource out of my, ultimately, self-imposed adversity. I'm not convinced I ever had to do sex work. I'm convinced I gave up on myself at the exact moment many other things happened. I believed it was my only option in my depressed, isolated state. The need for a solution was real, but my choice to consider prostitution as the only or best answer was subjective, not objective. Other solutions I didn't think to consider objectively existed. I wasn't living in a third world country or a place where women didn't have the right to work normal jobs. Obviously, most women engage in sex work to change their socioeconomic status, if not for immediate survival reasons. Many of us tell ourselves that we have to do sex work. But I don't think that's true. 
This isn't a shit on survival workers. I'm talking to my old self who brainwashed herself for many years into believing she had no other options when that was not reality. I couldn't see that it wasn't reality. The thought that I never had to engage in prostitution to survive was too hard of a pill to swallow. So I opted for convincing myself I had no choice and that's why I did it. Otherwise, what was my excuse for ever doing it? Leaving the industry is hard for a variety of reasons, but it's not impossible. Life isn't just about quick money. Not to mention, sex work isn't a reliable job for most workers. Being a sex worker also often comes directly at the cost of not being a viable relationship partner for many men. It often means choosing money for sex from random men over a real relationship. Time that could have been spent building a real relationship and building capital in non-sex-related work. For example, if you spend those two years right after graduating on sex work, that same time could have been spent in another field that could contribute to real skills. This looks different for everyone. Many do sex work while in school or while in this or that. It's not full time. The thing is, once you get used to relying on your income coming in this quick manner, you sort of don't want to choose something else. But sex work isn't something you're going to want to do forever. In that way, it's easy to sabotage oneself long-term by spending time on this dead-end, immoral thing. You'll also be inclined to justify your actions, leading you down a rabbit hole of self-denials and excuses. Instead, could avoid all that mental anguish in the first place. Not to mention, can't undo your involvement in sex work, which is why many stay in the industry much longer than predicted. Ideally, no one would ever need to sell their consent to sex or sexual intimacy, but I know we don't live in a perfect world. It's a tool that saves people at times. If you feel stuck in sex work in survival mode, check in to see if those survival conditions are objectively real. If they are now, they won't always be. Will you recognize when that change happens, if it hasn't already? I'm just saying, maybe the narrative you're telling yourself isn't objectively true anymore, if ever. That was the case with me. I wonder how common it is. It's easy to get wires crossed and start to view the sacrifice as noble. Unfortunately, it is not. The desire to self-sacrifice to improve life conditions, whether for yourself, for your family, friends, or community, is a noble sentiment, but letting a man pay for access to your body and your consent to sex is not noble. Understand I'm saying this because I've had to unbrainwash myself with reality. Commodifying yourself isn't a noble or moral solution to money problems. The worth in your existence as a human being extends far beyond immediate financial issues. Instead of admitting my error and facing hard truths, I opted to justify my actions for years. To get to the bottom of where I veered off course with lies, I had to check in with what was objectively true. The first hard pill to swallow. I never had to do sex work. Other options always existed. The second hard pill. I'll exit the industry having nothing to show for all the unwanted sex. The third hard pill. My low self-worth is what led me to believe I, in some way, deserved sex work. I betrayed myself. Gut punch. Vomit. Sob. Trying to put meaning to bad experiences was never a bad idea. Justifying my bad choices instead of swallowing hard pills and being honest with myself was bad. I'm still pro-decriminalization. 
A harsh reality is I do believe it is a luxury not afforded to everyone to avoid sex work. I think it does save many from bad situations when nothing else could. Sex work is a societal evil, but it helps a lot of women escape abusive or destitute situations when it seems like no other options exist. Sex work has saved many, but nowhere near as many as it's destroyed. It presents financial opportunity, but that doesn't make it good. It's something akin to a lesser of two evils if it saves someone from a bad situation. I think women have a lot of value, and commodifying our bodies shouldn't be a lifestyle we normalize as empowering. People can have kinky sex with different partners if they'd like. I'm not admonishing people for wanting to explore their sexuality, but paying someone for consent to sex and access to their body and pretending it's noble or something to be promoted as healthy is dishonest. I recently heard Dave Smith go off on prostitution through his libertarian lens. I enjoyed several similarities in our takes, and his perspective is that of a 40-year-old man looking at it from the outside, not a 30-year-old female ex-prostitute. I could never express his perspective in the same way, so I want to share his words. This isn't, I, you know, so I got into it uh, recently um, with with some of the whores, uh, the, 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 the sex workers, as they like to be called, uh, in the libertarian world, are not huge fans of mine, which is fine. I'm not interested in them being fans, and I'm more interested in, you know, uh, <laughs> telling the truth. But this, I, I basically, I responded to um, a, a piece that Reason TV put out where they were, uh, uh, their guest there um, was, uh, who, who I know, um, but she was arguing... Uh, for the uh not that the, i think the argument was that that uh sex work should not only be uh decriminalized but it should be destigmatized and i i noticed i looked i watched a little bit of it and i was looking at the comments and just all of the comment section it's like a goddamn fucking it was like a mutiny on Reason's own channel. You know what I mean? Just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, the, and all the comments are like, libertarians is libertarianism is not libertinism. You know what I mean? These are different things. You don't have to like. We don't have anything to say that like we must respect sex work or we must admire this or anything like that. And I just, I just said, I you know posted something where I admire go admire the one who does it for free. Get out there. <laughs> Well, I said something where Makes I was people like, feel look, good. I go, look, libertarian audiences reject this shit. I mean, just look at the comments. Look at how this is like, this is like, you don't, th that's not our view. That is not the libertarian view. That Strictly speaking, the libertarian view is just that it shouldn't be criminal for adults to do it. That's it. Now, any individual libertarian could feel like it should be praised or it should be condemned. Any of that is consistent with freedom. But I just look at it and go, why, if we're just sitting, first off, I have my own personal opinion of it, which is that, like, uh, I think pretending that that prostitution is, like, some noble choice equally, you know, uh, to, to be equally respected as being a doctor or a physicist or something like that is goofy and ridiculous. I think that it's dishonest for people who would literally be horrified if a woman that they cared about in their life was a prostitute to pretend like, oh, but it's, uh, I have no feeling about other people doing that. I find that to be dishonest um, and, you know, kind of shitty in its own way. But 
more so than that, the reason I speak up about it is it's like, why in this current moment that we're living in, with just all of this in, intensely pushed degeneracy from like all the most powerful, you know, kind of uh, institutions, why do we at this moment when we oppose all of these institutions and we believe in liberty, do we also have to say like we have to be like, well, here's what libertarianism is about. It's not only that we're arguing to legalize prostitution. We're also insisting that you have to respect it. We're also insisting that you'd have to be fine with your daughter being a hooker or something like that. Why attach this message that just dooms us to never be taken seriously as a movement? It's it's almost it's it's ironically it's like, you know, when there's those really dumb critics of libertarianism, like the critics will be like, oh, so you guys just you guys are just totally fine with people doing heroin or something like that. And you're like, what? That's the dumbest argument ever. Our, our argument is that prohibition doesn't work. Our argument is that we believe in liberty and that these systems just make the problem worse and create more violence. No one's arguing that we're pro heroin. But then it's almost like these guys come along and they're like, no, 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 no. we are. We're pro heroin. You got you got to not only legalize it, you got to remove the stigma from it too. And you're like, actually, stigmas are kind of the libertarian answer to voluntary behavior that's undesirable. Like that's actually kind of the answer is that no, it should be legalized, but there sh it should be heavily judged. You know what I mean? And I'm sorry, I'm not going to pretend that like yo know, prostitution is a sad, seedy world. And that's the fucking truth of it. And I've I've met some, I've met porn stars, I've met a lot of them, and the honest ones will be the first ones to admit. You know, uh, uh, Ralph and uh, Jay, they do a show where they interview porn stars all the time here on, on Guest Digital Network, the SDR show, and they used to have, one, one of their questions used to be, what was your first sexual experience? And they had to change the question to what was your first adult consensual sexual experience? Because it was ruining the show. That it would constantly hit up against like, oh, well, I guess my first sexual experience. That's, that's the reality of this world. It's quite often, and I mean shockingly high percentage of the time, these are people who were abused as children who are recreating this pattern as an adult in, you know, in a way that they control a little bit more. As these are the people who develop the ability to shut off. This is why, like, most fucking normal chicks would be horrified at the idea of being a prostitute and where, why, uh, you know, this group of people aren't. Now, it makes sense. It's you understand why uh, prostitutes might be drawn to the libertarian message, right? Because this essentially is uh, libertarians believe that they shouldn't go to jail for doing what they want to do. So I understand why they might, that message might be appealing to them. And I understand where they might also then go, hey, I also want you to respect what we do, not just legalize it. That makes sense from their perspective. It does not make sense from our perspective. It's like, nope, that's where we draw the line. And if any, uh, if anyone in prostitution has a problem that I will only argue that the, what they do should be legal, but I won't argue that people ought to respect it, if that's not enough for you, then too bad. I don't know what to tell you. I don't think you have a right to demand that other people respect this shit. It's a. I think that for for me personally, I think if I if I have a platform in this uh, in this world, 
and I got the ear of a lot of young people, I'm not going to fucking bullshit them to say something that wins virtue points for me so I get a pat on the back from people who I don't care about getting a pat on the back from. I'm going to try to tell them the fucking truth and impart at least a little bit of the wisdom I've gained through the years onto them and let them know that's what's up. I'm not, like, judging anybody who's lived a de degenerate lifestyle. I'm not, like, I don't hate any of those people. I'm just saying there's nothing noble about it. Maybe you should strive to do something where, that there is something noble about. Anyways, get you know, a bunch of arguments with uh, fucking these people. There's this one of them was arguing with me that uh, she goes, oh, so you're saying if a, if a man buys uh, a woman dinner and then they have six sex, that's fine. But if he just gives her cash and they have sex, then that's immoral. It's like, why does this transact? Why does this transaction? Why does cash changing hands all of a sudden make sex immoral? And uh, I'm like, is that really your, like, is your position really that there's no difference between dating and getting a hooker? Like that there's nothing, there's no difference. I mean, I'm sure there are some scenarios like that, like sugar daddy type shit, which even still is somewhat of a relationship. It's not exactly the same as just getting a hooker. But typically, if a guy takes a girl out on a date, even if he wants to sleep with her, it's not just like you pay for the dinner and you go, I'll take my sex now. You know what I mean? There's usually a process of like talking to them, trying to charm them, maybe making them laugh. Maybe convincing them to like you a little bit. There's something a little bit more human and, like, intimate about it than just here's fucking some money for a blowjob. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's a difference. And let me tell you, they get to say no a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's like, right, That's there's a pretty big difference. They can still not do it, right? Um, which I, I suppose the hooker can, can get too, all the way but... back to their place, have a drink. Still not happen. Yeah. <laughs> well, right. But I also think there's this weird thing, again, because they want to say almost like I'm, I'm some social conservative who's arguing that, like, you should be a virgin until you're married or something like that, which is not what I'm arguing. I'm not like that's. But there is this weird thing. And I guess you you kind of can have an interesting perspective on this because you were someone who was raised very religious, um, but don't really live your life that way anymore. But there's almost like this thing where. In religion, you have the, these norms uh, that are like, what? That sec sex should happen in a marriage. That's it. Outside of a marriage, it's wrong. Inside a marriage, it's it's right. And then you, it, once you throw that religion away, now you almost are left with no rules or no norms, right? But it's almost as if we all know that there has to be something like there has to be some type of guidelines or some type of like thing. Like, I don't know if all of us, if you just saw, if you just knew a chick who literally just fucked everybody indiscriminately was like, anyone wants to fuck me can fuck me. Huh? Yeah. Okay. But I'm saying, but you would, you would pass some judgment on that girl and you would know immediately like this chick's a mess. She's a mess of a person to be in this situation. And uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of these, there there are these like uh, sex worker like accounts on Twitter who are like basically just giving young women the worst advice, the worst advice in the world, like guaranteed to make them as miserable as those women are now. And it's just horrible. It's like this idea of like, yeah, sex is just a transaction and nothing more than that. And just get, you know what I mean? Like there's no, it's, it, there's some nobility in like being a sex worker or something like that. It's just awful.
So according to those people, if you raped, you just owe financial damages? Yeah, it's basically no different. I guess the logical conclusion would be that it's not like a horrific crime. It's just kind of like on the same level as like stealing someone's wallet, right? You probably got to just pay him back. Yeah, right. (laughs) Or like like why would it be if you were to just go up, uh, you know, to random women uh, on on the street and go – just be like, hey, I'll uh, I'll I'll give you fifty bucks if you suck my dick. Like that shouldn't be taken as offensive, right? Or like that, I, that woman uh, should just be like, oh no, thank you. That deal that deal doesn't sound too good for me. Or yeah, you know, I could use fifty bucks. Or but like, but what? Why do we all know we don't live in that world? And so like, yeah, no, there is something about like women giving away the most intimate like part of themselves for nothing that is like horrible. Of course, doesn't everyone know this? And I'll tell you, I feel bad, you know, seeing, like, how many of these these young women, like, evidently, ha- like, and you know, I really don't know. But this is what the young guys tell me, that there's all these young chicks are on OnlyFans. Like, a ton of them are on there. And I do got to say, I find that to be sad and tragic. Really sad and tragic. And it's like, I think that people, you know, things become clearer about life as you get older. And so, like, one of the things that's, that's, I'll say this, right? So, I'm going to be 40 next year. So, I'm, I'm about to be 40. And I remember very well being like a teenager when the idea of 40 was like just old. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like in your mind when you're young, it almost seems like 40 is like the end. You know what I mean? Like, that's it. That's when there's not even, like, any semblance of you being, like, a young person at all. That is 40 is old. But as you uh, get closer to it, you realize that it's uh, 40 is not the end. 40 is actually, if you look at the statistical average, it's, it's closer to, to the middle. That's about where you are when you turn 40. You're about in the middle of your life if you live uh, to the average, you know, life expectancy. God willing, you know, uh, something bad doesn't happen. But... Uh, so, so as I get to 40, right. And I, and I say, this is someone, this is from the perspective of someone who I have a really great career, like on the, in the, the spectrum of, uh, of, um, you know, what people get to do in this world, I'm in a very high percentile in in terms of the fact that like, I really love what I do. I do exactly what I want to do. It's a really rewarding and really fun uh, uh, career. I make good money off of it. I just, I'm fortunate to be in this situation. I really love what I do. And as I, I approach 40, it is so obvious to me how unimportant all of that is compared to my family. That all that really matters in life is family. And I think this just becomes more and more obvious the older you get. Nobody is, like, on their deathbed and thinking about, like, you know what I mean? Like, thinking about, oh, I had a really good year when, oh, man, I made 300K that one year. You know what I mean? Like, it's just no one, no one's thinking like that. It's just not, it's, it's like you're thinking about the people you love and your family. You know, like, that's what matters. And... I think for a lot, I'd say this, for a lot of these young women, the reality is that they're still looking at 40 as the end rather than the middle. And you go, okay, so you're going to go have an OnlyFans or you're going to be a sex worker or whatever it is, or just even just like sleep with a ton of guys. It's like, 
Rob, being honest here, what if you want to get married and have a family, what percentage of men do you think are going to be okay with a chick who had an OnlyFans to, you know, the chick who's spreading her asshole for tips on the internet? But what, what percentage? I'm not, it's not zero. There are some men who might still marry you and have a family with you. But if you just had to ballpark it, like what percentage of men do you think would say, ah, there's no chance I'm marrying a chick who ever did that? What, that are going to rule it out? Yeah. I'll give you, I, I'll give you a snapshot. Sure. 40% definitely don't care. The next 30%, it would depend on circumstance that they might be won over. And then the next 30% absolutely care and it would be a deal breaker. Okay, so even with your numbers, if I got, you've now put about, what did you say, 70% of men who it's really a question whether or not they would. Those of, ranging from definitely wouldn't to a whole nother percentage who are, it's, it's quite possibly going to be a major problem. All I'm saying is that you have now lowered your odds tremendously. You have, you've now like made yourself unmarketable as a, as a wife and mother to a huge portion of men, which is fine. Maybe you don't care. Like, I don't care about having, have, getting married and having kids. It's like, okay, but maybe you'll care more at 35 or 40. 45 or 50 or 55 60 65 70 you know what i'm saying that's all i'm saying is it's like you're you're making a decision that has a lot of weight behind it and a lot of consequences behind it and i don't think a lot of those people are actually thinking that through like actually like thinking about like wow this is this is a real profound decision i'm making something just something to think about we're over time we gotta run we'll catch you guys next time thanks for listening peace Dave says stigma is the libertarian answer to behaviors that are undesirable in a society. I want to agree. I never meant to glamorize the industry. I sought to make it easier to re-enter civil society by showing escorts or nice people just trying to make a living. Not long ago, I found myself googling documentaries about ex-cons re-entering society after incarceration. Leaving the industry after feeling stuck in sex work presents some very real issues. I think I ended up glamorizing it, trying to humanize it. Then, I wasn't analyzing the difference properly. I didn't know what glamorizing sex work even meant when I started the podcast. I didn't consider sex work glamorous. I mean, far from it. So I didn't cross my mind anyone in their right mind would ever look up to being a whore. I certainly never did. I always felt anxiety and dread leading up to seeing a client because it was unwanted sex with a complete or partial stranger at the end of the day. I couldn't admit to hating the work so much because then no one would have respected my other message of wanting to be accepted in society. Do you see the problem in the ethos and the behavior here? It's glaringly obvious if you look at it. I saw this tweet a week ago and it helped me understand how I ended up glamorizing sex work. So this woman, Christina Buttons, um, at Buttons Lives, uh, I took a screenshot, and her tweet says, It seems like the natural progression of destigmatization, which attempts to make something neutral or not bad, has the unintended, has the unintended end result of glamorization, making something good and even celebrated. In some instances, a certain amount of stigma can be healthy for society. End quote. So maybe destigmatize equals glamorize. That's no good. Stigma is attached to things we don't want to promote in society. 
but how can it be a societal good to stigmatize workers who often hate sex work and don't want to be there? We add these consequences on top of the unwanted sex? It's like, hot damn, what a dumpster fire of evil consequences to something you already don't want to be doing. But then, isn't that sort of the point of needing to not make it seem like it's a good thing? It's dystopian to be promoting prostitution as meaningful or good in society. We can't attach good, healthy, or moral to the label of prostitute and paid consent. Like, it's just not true. So, what now? I take back what I said about destigmatization being a good idea and instead vote for humanization. I still believe society dehumanizes sex workers and it makes things worse. Want people not to work in the sex industry? Don't condemn those already in it to it for life by saying they don't belong anywhere else if they're honest about their involvement. Most don't want to be doing it. It isn't morally superior to condemn sex workers to additional rape or other abuses without the ability to to seek help, legal or otherwise. People will always engage in sex work whether one morally agrees with it or not. I still advocate for decrim because I was fully consenting to this transaction. There are many who are not consenting, and conflating the two makes it harder to identify real sex trafficking operations. It doesn't yield a larger societal good to criminalize paying for or buying sex, therefore conflating the two. It just enables a predator's playground. It doesn't solve the underlying problems, often poverty in this case, causing people to engage in these undesirable activities. Pointing to the wrong source of the problem, in my opinion just pushes the activity into the shadows, and it's often the more vulnerable party who further pays the price for the lack of safety. I hold a libertarian stance on this. It's your right to choose as a consenting adult. It's simply dishonest to claim sex work should be normalized because it's good for society. This is the dystopic, harmful lie increasingly promoted by the influencer meets whore in our culture over the last decade or so, which I was part of. In all honesty, the chances are if you get involved in sex work, you won't feel like you got something commensurate out of it with what you gave up, and you'll end up with these feelings of self-betrayal, shame, etc. Mostly because you were never okay with it in the first place, but you just hoped it would fix your problems. Basically, if it doesn't, you'll be very aware of what you gave up. The happy hookers who feel they're getting enough to match what they've given up will claim sex work is empowering. That's my understanding doesn't make the black and white not true for them. They're still engaging in a societal evil in my books. Something immoral. They just have no desire or need to face the morality of it because they've been paid enough not to care. Some happy hookers prize money above else, some power and tension they get, some are adrenaline junkies. I don't see a fourth option, but if you know one, feel free to comment. The connection to a client could be real, but you still don't want to be giving them access to your body or having sex with them, or you wouldn't be getting paid. Sex has inherent meaning, and pretending it doesn't is bleak for your soul, relationships, and society. It's a different experience to see seven clients in a day versus one client for a weekend trip. The percentage of people who do sex work and have the privilege of a weekend experience is very small in comparison. Ultimately, it's the same thing at the end of the day, selling consent to sex and access to your body. So it's just a more worthwhile trade-off to the woman who feels she, what she gave up is proportional to what she received. It's easier to justify and claim to love it. That's really the only difference I see. There's a million other things someone could be doing with their life than letting random men pay for their consent to sex. 
So if it's not financial woes, then there's something else going on there. Either way, it doesn't represent the majority of workers, so hearing from happy hookers about sex work truths is a misrepresentation to the industry, in a way. Any sex worker actively working must claim to love it to some extent to get hired, so it's hard to tell who is happy or just marketing, unless retired or anonymous. Here's a quote. It is difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends on his not understanding it. Upton Sinclair. Which basically means it's hard to get a person to change their mind if they're being paid to believe something. That's basically how I view the happy hooker and why including them in the discussion can't yield honesty. It's just dishonest because they're being paid to stand by one message. It's different when your income doesn't depend on the narrative that you do your work because you love it. There are young women, or whatever age, looking at the content we put out in society. I couldn't and can't live with myself thinking I, in any way, told them I think it's good or healthy or moral to engage in paid intimacy. It's not. It's teaching young women that all that matters in life is money. The only thing that matters is that you earn the highest amount of income you can now. It's spoken about like it's like any other job. There's no repercussions. It's just sex. If you don't agree, then you're hateful and harming sex workers. It's like, no, you make a higher income literally in exchange for selling your body and soul to people. If you had a kid, you'd tell them being a sex worker was a great idea, having been one yourself. Like, I don't buy it. If that makes me the bad, hateful, intolerant woman, then so be it. That's who I'd rather be. That's the real advice from my heart. Maybe sometimes when people steer clear of those working in the sex industry, it isn't because they think they're bad people or drug-riddled or whatever. Maybe it's because they know there is misery, mental illness, unwanted sex, missing love, and many other probable bad side effects that go along with sex work, and they want to steer clear of that. It's a real mindfuck. Maybe it's just trying to avoid the mental confusion that sex work necessitates. It's not an admonishment of the people in it as bad people. It's just an area of life that is best avoided. My hatred is of myself for wasting so much of my life believing a lie. I think it's impossible to escape the industry without baggage from unwanted sex. Living on a tight budget should not be equated as equivalent to having a person you do not know penetrate you or gain intimate access to you. Those situations are not equal. They are not the same. It's an illogical, insane straw man argument to make. Why does it matter to act morally? That's a good question. All the confusing propaganda we see today is intended to demoralize. Not meaning take the wind out of your sails, but literally remove your morality from your decision making. Makes for a much more useful idiot. I think it matters a lot that people stand up for what they believe is moral and right in society today. It matters a lot that people care about acting morally. I don't know what makes a person decide to care. Maybe I'll talk about that another day. But your application of your morality applies to everything you do in life. If you start not giving a shit about this, what else will you stop giving a shit about? If I start down this path of justifying my immorality, where does it end? Am I so naive as to believe I can pick and choose when to be moral and have no unintended consequences? How will I know the difference between good and bad if I justify the bad things I do to make them out to be good things when I do them? 
This is why saying the truth about my experience of sex work, even if it's hard to admit how much I've betrayed myself, is essential. I'd like to instead lead a life I can be proud of that affects my bubble of society in the way I'd like to see the world actually be. A lifestyle that fosters good mental health and prioritizes doing the moral thing. I couldn't find meaning before, couldn't find a reason to care. Honestly, I still haven't gotten there. I just have faith I'll figure it out and decided not having a meaning doesn't excuse a moral activity. I'm not going to find meaning in that lifestyle. I'm not a religious person, but I believe in the divine in some way. My soul must be prioritized and being moral matters. I think worshipping at the altar of quick money and justifying my poor choices is something best left in the past. I'm interested in rediscovering what it means to be a healthy female with healthy femininity. I'd love to be a positive influence for other women, perhaps confused by the messaging that doesn't actually make them feel good at the end of the day. Or after many years, they find themselves asking how they ended up there if they did these empowering things. To each their own, but now that I've stopped lying to myself, my brand of femininity includes things that actually respect my womanhood. Selling access to my body through a manic smile claiming I love it isn't me respecting myself. It's quite literally me giving my power away for a small fee. I'm not here to be anyone's judge, but be a beacon of don't believe the lie that you don't have other options. I'm attempting to rectify any past harm I did by inadvertently glorifying this thing that was a complete and total self-destructive nightmare for me. I don't hate other sex workers or clients. I'm being honest about what I would advise based on my experience if you're seeking a healthy lifestyle. Getting back to self-love for me includes being honest. I naively and optimistically think I can coexist with the happy hookers and survival workers and outright abolitionists and more. All I see is a gaggle of people wanting the same outcome. A healthier society, less harm, less poverty, more freedom, etc. Each group just has a different idea on how to get there, but I believe the end goal is the same. This has felt shitty to write and honestly I think it's way too long, um, but I did my best to edit. It wouldn't be enough for me to not at least try to put meaning to all the bad. I wouldn't be able to live with myself. I don't know what this resource will yield, but I hope it's something positive. The life we lead will still have happened once everything is said and done. Money comes and goes, but what you did for money will always remain. There's a lot of life to live, and it's not all about quick money or an easy orgasm with a woman who wouldn't touch you if you weren't paying. Each of us has the power to make a butterfly effect difference on those around us with our energies and actions. I just wonder what that version of reality looks like when we opt for spending time on things we love that are good and moral. Um, you can subscribe now to support my writing or show your friend who may benefit from hearing this first-hand account. Alternatively, if you want to donate to help fund the upcoming self-publication of my fictionalized memoir, there's a link in the show notes. Lots of love, reader. Stay curious.